Hey, Unnaturalists, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to another episode of Unnatural. It is good to be back, and we want to thank everybody for listening. We want to thank you for joining us, and we appreciate you so much, and we love delving into murder just as much as you do, and I'm guessing, Emily, that's what we're going to do today. Yeah. Today, we are going to be talking about a young California woman, model, aspiring actress, who really had a promising career in front of her, which was unfortunately cut super short when she was found nude and stuffed inside a suitcase. This is the story of Jasmine Fiore. Jasmine Fiore was born Jasmine Lepore in February of 1981. She took an interest in modeling when she was little. She was always kind of like strutting around and doing that kind of like a, had a sassy little attitude it sounds like. Um, her parents divorced when she was young and she ended up living with her mom Lisa in Bonnie Dune, California. Jasmine played football, she worked at a local grocery store, people who knew her described her as bubbly and kind and fun, but also often people underestimated her because of her looks. She was very pretty, blonde hair, you know, kind of like that typical California girl valley girl valley girl look but she was also very intelligent and uh she loved to be the center of attention and i feel like i feel like if you want to act and be a model you you have to love attention it kind of yeah, just comes that. yeah it comes with the territory so after she graduated from high school, she started really getting into the modeling world. She did a couple commercials for adult phone lines. Mm, remember those? I remember yeah. seeing those on like late night TV. You'd be yeah. half asleep and it'd say, call 1-900-PLEASURE for yeah. your dream call. Yeah, that's that's what she did. She didn't actually like do the call center work. She just did the commercials. The voiceovers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was also a swimsuit model. And uh, she also often worked as like a painted model with like her body. Like she would be nude and her body would be painted all crazy. Which have you seen those? That's like. Uh, a lot of them look oh, why am I asking you have you seen them <laughs> obviously wait what are you saying but like from an artistic standpoint they're really cool yeah they are they're amazing so is it getting hot in here or 
Relax. Okay. Relax. Keep your clothes on. Keep your pants on. Pull your bootstraps up. I need a bucket of water or something. Take a sip of take a sip of water. So she often worked and went to Vegas and worked around in the casinos. She did also earn her real estate license and she had a dream of opening a gym with or like a personal training center. Mm. Now Jasmine dated a guy named Robert Hasman off and on for several years. Um, I guess she got to the point where she wanted to settle down, but he didn't. So they ended up going their separate ways. And <laughs> shortly thereafter, she got engaged to another guy. But that ended after a year or two around 2007. Hmm. And then in March of 2009, Jasmine met a man named Ryan Jenkins at a casino in Las Vegas. He was a real estate investor from Canada, and he had just recently finished filming Megan Wants a Millionaire. Did you ever watch that? It sounds like a porn movie. No. it's, (laughs) it's, It was one of... VH1's versions of The Bachelor. Okay. Kind of. It's one of those weird dating shows. Do do Um, you remember that show? I don't. Yeah, because the girl Megan was a contestant on Rock of Love. Oh, God. That Brett Michaels show. Yeah. And she was like, she got her own spinoff. And Ryan was one of the contestants. Wow. And then two days, two days two days after they met on march 18th 2009 they got married at the little white chapel on the strip two days if i was a kibitzer i would say not a good call my gal not a good call yeah yeah don't marry someone you've known for 48 hours. Didn't Britney do that? Probably. I think she did. I think Kim Kardashian did too. Yeah. So not a great track record. So fast forward to June of 2009. They're still married. And Ryan gets charged with domestic violence. Because he was accusing Jasmine of kissing their friend, Travis, and he ended up hitting her. So Ryan hit Jasmine in the arm and she fell over into a pool that they were arguing around. Yeah, now, uh, by all accounts, especially Jasmine's mom, the two fought and argued a lot Um, A lot of it had to do with the fact that Ryan was super jealous, a little crazy, uh, because Jasmine was a model and she was getting a lot of male attention. She had some male friends. As one does in that industry. Yeah, absolutely. And Ryan just didn't like it. So I think a lot of their fighting and their 
super new relationship had to do with a he's he's a jealous motherfucker and b they got married and they they had no idea who each other were way too soon absolutely but ryan's dad claimed that jasmine was his son's only friend in the united states and she would often disappear for days at a time And he also claimed that the two had their marriage annulled in May of 2009. But as far as I could tell, like there, I I couldn't, there was no record. There was no mention in any of Hmm. the sources that I read. Yeah. But regardless, even if they did have their marriage annulled in 2009, they were still. Legally. They were still together, obviously, because that domestic violence thing happened in June And then in August, the two checked in to a hotel in Del Mar, San Diego. So they were there for this fundraiser. Everything seemed to have gone well. But then on August 15th at about 8.55 p.m., Ryan called 911 or Ryan called the LAPD to report Jasmine missing. He said that he had seen her at 8.30 the previous evening at their house in L.A. Um, He did tell the police that they went to San Diego for this poker tournament and they came home and she dropped him off to go run errands and get her nails done, but she never came back. Meanwhile, earlier that same day, the Buena Park police Um, department received a call from a guy who worked at an apartment complex that they had found the body of a child in a suitcase in a dumpster. So when the police arrived, they realized the body in the suitcase was not a child, but it was in fact that of a young woman and she was naked and in the fetal position. And the victim was described as a white, maybe Hispanic female in her 20s or 30s. Her hair was wet and her face was quite swollen due to being beaten. And her fingertips and her teeth had been removed. They, like whoever did this, just really didn't want the body to be identified. But what the murderer did not take into account was the fact that this young woman had breast implants. Now, breast implants have serial numbers. The police were able to get the serial numbers from the breast implants after an autopsy, and they were able to trace them and found that they were registered to none other than Jasmine Fiore. Wow. So also during the autopsy, it was revealed that her cause of death was strangulation. So 
the police ended up running her name and there was a missing persons report with the LAPD. So they have the missing persons report. They have the body identified. So the Buena Park police contact the LAPD and they're like, hey, we found this body. There's a missing persons report. Let's find a killer. So the police contact Ryan and they're like, hey, look, we got to talk to you. Could you come down to the station and speak with us? Yeah. And normal procedure. Yeah. Ryan's like, um, no can do, homeboys. I'm going to pass. I'm in Canada. I'm trying to fix a visa issue. Um, Jasmine's run away in the past. So he was just acting super. Sus. Super sus. Super not concerned. So the police are like, okay. But Ryan did say that they were in San Diego. So they're like, let's trace this girl's movements. See if we can't figure some shit out. So that's what they did. On Mm -hmm. August 13th, two days before Jasmine's body was discovered, the pair of them arrived in San Diego. They had stayed at um, the Del Mar Hotel, and the police were like, we want to see surveillance. Please and thank you. So they they got the respect, you know, they got their warrants or they did their police things. And as they were reviewing the footage at about 3.28 p.m., Ryan and Jasmine arrive in Jasmine's white Mercedes and the hotel employees were seen helping them with their luggage. They are at the front desk checking in, doing all of the things you do when you arrive at a hotel. And then they are also seen getting onto the elevators and then walking into their room. But they don't appear back on any sort of surveillance until like two hours later where they're both all dressed up and it looks like they're, you know, about to go go out, spend a night on the town, which they do. They go to that poker tournament, which was about um, 10, 15 minutes away from the hotel they were staying at. So the police go to that hotel and, you know, they're talking to people, trying to find some witnesses who may have seen them that night. And a lot of employees did end up remembering them. Mm. They said that they left uh, Jasmine's car at the hotel while they went out and um, they're seen coming back to the hotel on surveillance around 2.30 in the morning and they left in Jasmine's car to go back to their own hotel. Make sense? Yeah. Are you following me so far? I'm with you. Okay. So then the police start to focus on what's going on in this hotel room. Because when, like, they kind of see them come and go a couple times. But then the last time... Ryan is the only one who is seen returning to the hotel. Really? Yes. So and do we know what time that is? No, I didn't 
I didn't figure but it's gotta out be what pretty time late. Was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because at 4.38 in the morning, Ryan is seen running in the hallway, and then he just kind of, like, scurries off into their room. But then a few minutes later, he's seen coming out again, and he's wearing sweatpants and, like, a tank top, and he's got, like, the like the ice bucket in his hand, oh, and... Yeah. Um, a couple other things that he's carrying, which I don't really know what they are. doesn't really, like, I couldn't really find out what exactly he was carrying, but the police wanted to be like, they wanted to find what he was carrying, what he was doing. So right. they get a search warrant for the room and because they still don't know, I mean, they're kind of closing in on Ryan here because obviously yeah. he's the husband. He's prime suspect number one. Mm-hmm. Um, But they didn't, they couldn't figure out at this point in time, they don't know where Jasmine was actually killed. So they get a search warrant for the hotel room that they, you know, processed for fingerprints and blood and all of that good stuff. But it had obviously been a few days, so the housekeepers and other guests had been in and out. So kind of contaminated the scene. Yeah, there really wasn't anything there. And, um, you know, they interviewed the housekeepers who said, you know, they didn't really see anything amiss when they went through and cleaned. They're thinking that maybe Ryan killed Jasmine in the room, stuffed her in the suitcase, but then they never saw him leave with the suitcase. Hmm. But there was also a back door in the room because it was on the first floor. And there was just like a little wall that separated the patio from the hotel's parking lot. Mm -hmm. So investigators are searching that patio much more closely, and they did find a um, drop of blood and some long, dark hair. And the blood was tested, and it did come back belonging to Jasmine. Interesting. So, so he took her out the back. Yeah. Or at least that's what it looks like. Yeah. So, well, now police are like, we gotcha. But they still didn't really have a whole heck of a lot of evidence. Yeah. You know, they have a few things. A lot of it is pretty much is pretty circumstantial at mm-hmm. this point. So they go back to the um, surveillance footage where Ryan is seen again at 624 and he has his hands full of clothes and toiletries and whatnot. And then he is not seen again until 920. Hmm. And then he's gone. So he leaves after that. He leaves. He takes off. So the police are like, okay, homeboy, we know you said you went to Canada to get your um, visa stuff figured out, but time to face the music. We got to talk to you. But then they're also like, well, shit, at this point, he could be anywhere because he probably knows he knows her body's been found. Yeah, that's why he went to Canada in the first place. Exactly. So the police go and search the like underground parking area of their 
Um, I don't know if it's like their apartment complex or their house or what, because they're looking for Jasmine's white Mercedes and Ryan drove a black SUV and they're both missing. Hmm. So, um, an APB is put out for both vehicles and police get a call that Ryan had a storage unit back in Las Vegas and he also owned a boat. Oh, that's interesting. Yes. What did he do with such boats? Well, he did something because the boat wasn't where it was supposed to be. Uh And Ryan's black SUV was found in Blaine, Washington, which is Hmm. on the edge of the Canadian border. Right. And they figure that's how he got into Canada around like August 19th or the 20th. And he had also been talking with his parents at the time too. So it kind of sounds like he was like, he was pulling a Brian laundry. Yeah. Like mom, dad, I did this dumb thing. Help me. And they did? I don't know. But I mean, like, he is Canadian. So I don't know why he would have had to go all the way over there to get into Canada. But. Right. Um, Little sus. Yeah. On August 26th, the police receive a tip about an abandoned car. And the car was, in fact, a white Mercedes that was registered to Jasmine. And when police opened the car, they discovered that this was the crime scene because there was blood everywhere. It was on the carpet, on the handles, in the back seat. And so um, police think that, well, they, they think that she may have already been dead, they think that she she was probably killed in the hotel room, but in the car is where she he Got cut out. her fingers off and and removed her teeth. Wow! And then he put her back into the suitcase, which is just crazy because if you're trying to put your mind inside the killer here, which is baffling to do in the first place, but if they're trying to go to that lengths to make sure they get rid of the dental records and the fingerprints, wouldn't you think that they would be more careful and not, you know, do that inside the car where the blood's going to get everywhere? Who knows? Haven't you ever watched Dexter? I mean, come on. Yeah. I don't really think anyone's ever accused criminals of being, too smart. I mean, yeah, most of most them of end them up aren't. getting caught eventually. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they think that. So he killed her. He cut her fingers off, removed her teeth, put her body back into the suitcase, and then put the suitcase in the back seat because the back seat was just covered in, in blood. blood. And police were also able to obtain. Um, Jasmine's phone records and they realized that she had been texting an ex-boyfriend on the night that she died and Jasmine was talking to him about how you know she was over this relationship with 
Ryan. It was a mistake. She wanted a divorce. She wanted to be with this ex-boyfriend. Mm. And um, she had asked him if he could come and pick her up. Mm. And the police think that Ryan discovered the text messages. And when Jasmine had gotten either she was killed in the hotel room and maybe she went out the back like that same back door and he killed her in the car or, you know, whatever. But the the point is, is that they probably had this altercation about the text messages and he killed her. And um, the police believed that when Ryan left the room with the ice bucket, that he took um, he took the phone so Jasmine couldn't call anyone. And then, you know, she he just kind of discarded her like she was trash. Yeah, that's really. exactly what he did. Yeah. So God, meanwhile, so you know. We still haven't found Ryan, but a lot Wait, of witnesses- what? Yeah. He, he Ryan, still hasn't been found? He still hasn't been found. You're kidding me. Oh my God. No. And how long ago was this? Well, so she was killed on, on or about the 15th of August- um, they think Ryan had gone to Canada. Of what, of what year? I'm sorry. 2009. Okay. Nine? Wow. So she was killed in 2009. He goes to Canada. And he's yes, still. Yes, on like ha- August 19th or 20th, right? And the well, cops are still getting tips about sightings and. All of that kind of whatever. And then in August, the manager of the Thunderbird Motel in Hope, British Columbia, called the police. And he said that Ryan Jenkins was dead. Whoa. Because after Ryan didn't check out, they went into his room and found him hanging in the closet by his belt. Took the coward's way out. He did. And he <laughs> he had also written a suicide note titled, quote, Last Will and Testament. Hmm. And in the note, he said, you know, I'm going to be betray- portrayed as a monster, but the real monster was Jasmine. And he said that all he did was love her and he wanted to give her everything and she cheated on him and she was going to leave him and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he that still makes you the monster, dude. Yeah, well, he never actually confessed or admitted to killing her. But, but the writing is on the wall. Yeah. Well, when Ryan arrived at this motel, his sister was with him and um, witnesses say that his sister stayed with him for about 20 minutes and then she left. And then it was at some point after this that, you know, he ended up 
hanging himself. The uh, reality show that he was on was yeah. canceled and it was never aired mm. because of his involvement. Probably a good call. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was good on VH1 because if I, I think he won. Did he? He was the winner? Wow. I think. I'm not sure. The day after... This is from one of the sources I read. The day after Jenkins' death, VH1 officially announced the show was canceled and that it would not run the third season of I Love Money, which Jenkins won. Oh, yeah. So he was on um, at some other point. Because I know um, I had mentioned that he was a contestant on Megan Wants a Millionaire, but he also participated in a different reality show called I Love Money, which was also a, a VH1. Um, but that was what never aired, and he hmm. did actually win. But ultimately, he lost because he was a fucking psychopath. Yeah, he was a little bit of a piece of shit. I would say he pulled a Brian Laundry, but maybe Brian Laundry pulled a Ryan Jenkins since yeah. that all happened first. Brian Jenkins was the OG of that. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it's super unfortunate because a young woman lost her life. Jasmine was only 28 at the time oh, that she died. It's terrible. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, at least the case was solved and it's not yeah. like. So her family at least kind of has that little bit of closure, especially after he was found and. You know, he wasn't on the run. And he wasn't able to do that to any more women. No. Hmm. What a case. Case that clearly made Emily very tired. Very tired. But you know what doesn't make me tired? Talking and interacting and talking shit with you guys on our social media pages. You can do that on Twitter, on Natural the Pod, Instagram, on Natural the Podcast. We have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us a Gmail, Unnatural the Podcast at gmail.com. Also, consider signing up for our Patreon page where you will get early access to ad-free episodes, bonus content, and more. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalpod. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, share us with your friends. Mm. We will talk to you next week. And in the meantime, make good choices. And don't get caught. Bye. So you mentioned Rock of Love. Mm-hmm. Brett Michaels, of Brett course, Michaels, was of the love. star of Rock of Love. I have a Brett Michaels story for you. Oh. This was right during his resurgence his rock of love so he decided to capitalize on it and have a series of tours throughout the united states because 
Before that, he would not have been able to have these type of tours. He is a one-hit wonder. But Rock of Love kind of put him back into the mainstream a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he came to my hometown. I'm a up-and-coming radio DJ, right? Mm-hmm. I just got into the business. And one of the vets of the industry said, Hey, why don't you introduce him on stage? I've done this before. Why don't you do it this time? I said, okay, why not, right? Mm-hmm. I've never done this before. I've never introduced a celebrity on the stage before. So I get up there. I'm in front of thousands of people, right? Did you make a really bad joke? No. I just say, hey, everybody, are you fucking ready for Brett Michaels? And they all start screaming. Everybody's cheering. They're holding their signs up. One of the greatest moments of my life, right? And so I say, he's on the way next. And then I go back down. Seconds later, his manager comes up to us and says, hey, he's not coming out right now. He needs an Escalade to take him from the back of the arena to the front of the arena. And it has to be an Escalade. It can't be anything else. It has to be an Escalade. My guy. So somebody calls somebody who calls somebody who knows somebody who has an Escalade who has to bring the fucking vehicle to the arena to pick him up at the back of the arena to the front of the arena, which again is only like hundreds of feet. It's not very far. He can't walk or take a golf cart. Right. So what a diva, right? And in the meantime, the manager said to me, hey, you got to go back up there and tell them that it's going to be a while before he comes back on stage. So remember what I just said to you about how they were so elated and happy and it was (gasps) the greatest moment of my life? Yeah, did you go back out there and then get booed off stage? That's exactly what happened. I go back up there and I'm like, hey, everybody, just to let you know, Brett Michaels is going to be a while. It's going to, you know, there, there, there's some difficulties here. It's going to be a few. And immediately everybody just gives me a chorus of boos. Oh, and no. like starts yelling obscenities at me and telling me I'm a piece of shit. Poor and Andy. Little do they know that I'm not the piece of shit. He's the piece of shit. <laughs> For being such a diva. You know what? I would have 100% been like, listen here, you little fuckers. Right. Which one of you has an Escalade and wants to bring you back here and pick this bitch ass up and bring him out yourself? No shit. That's why a couple years later, after this had all transpired, if you remember, Brett Michaels was at the Tony Awards. And there was an infamous moment where he was walking off the stage at the Tony Awards. Into an Escalade? No. And some sort of backdrop hit him on the head (laughs) and knocked him unconscious. Whoops. And it was a big moment. And 
I was one of the few people who was like, fuck yes. <laughs> fuck yes, Brett Michaels got what was getting to him. He got got. He did. I'm so sorry you got booed off stage. I know. So, not a great track record. No! <laughs> oh my god, I'm putting that in. I'm putting <laughs> I've been keeping them out for a while, but that one has to go in. Please. Deep breaths, Yoka. just a wealth of knowledge that needs to be tapped. It's fucking amazing. Ask me about asteroids sometime. 